Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glicksman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. And a special shout out to Greg Powell and Pat Richardson, who both have been listening, Pat, on, I assume, like eight times speed because he listened to like a dozen episodes in a week. Uh, and, Either that or they're really bored. <laughs> well, they run not... out of things to do, and, and this is their last thing on the list. Yeah. When there's nothing else to do, there is almost always a Ben and Matt sportscast to listen That's to. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're going to do something a little bit different today. Uh, we're going to talk about sports what ifs and not things like what if this season actually gets played, but past nice. what We've ifs. We've done enough of that. Yeah. <laughs> past what ifs. Yes. 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 And hopefully a week from tonight, there's going to be baseball. Actual, yeah. real, meaningful baseball games played. That's on the schedule. So we'll... We'll see if that comes to pass, and if so, we'll talk about it. Uh, so, Matt, I'd like to start, because I want to uh, make sure that I'm in the spirit of this. This was your idea. Yeah. Um, so my first what-if is my ASU-centric what-if. It is, okay. what if Dirk Cutter had gone back to Sam Keller for the 2006 season? Uh, okay, okay, that's an interesting one, yeah, you know. It's funny. I didn't even really think about it in terms of, of ASU ones. We could probably do a whole a whole podcast on just ASU what ifs. Some are coming to mind right now. What if we beat USC and or LSU in 2005? That's a great one that I've thought of. But well, what was it? One. Wasn't it the yeah. Oregon and SC year where like the quarterbacks got hurt the off weeks, and if they would have yes. been flipped, we would have oh seven. You know, oh seven. Yes, if we played them the opposite, we would have gotten. And no Dennis Dixon and no John David Booty, and we, yeah, God, we could have been twelve and zero potentially. Uh, but so to go to this sports, what if in in two thousand four Sam Keller took over uh, yep. for an injured Andrew Walter, yeah, and led ASU to a Sun Bowl victory, uh, and then in the first four games of two thousand five, he was one fifty five for out of two sixty four for twenty one hundred yeah. yards and twenty touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, he got off to a great start that year. That included that LSU game where he had a great game, and you know could have could have had a signature moment right away. We had jumped all the way up to number fourteen in the country before that USC game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when USC was number one coming into Sun Devil Stadium for game day, but mm-hmm. the team was three and one. They had pasted Temple, lost a shootout to LSU pasted Northwestern and pasted Oregon State in one of the yeah. rare Reezer Stadium victories. I was going to say, on the road at Oregon State. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it was not, it was early in the year, but still, that's not been an easy place to go, uh, you know, except for when Oregon State's really bad. And they weren't. That, you know, they were a decent team that year. So, we are in position. Things are going well. Yeah. Or well yeah. enough. And Sam Keller gets hurt. He gets replaced by Rudy Carpenter for the rest of the season. Now, Rudy Carpenter goes on to have a better completion percentage, 156 out of 228, for 2,273 yards and 17 touchdowns. ASU won their second consecutive bowl game. That was the Rutgers uh, Bank One Ballpark Insight Bowl. Rallied from, because we started 3-1, but then we're 3-4. Mm-hmm. And won, I believe, four out of five under Rudy because Keller. I mean, the, the pivot point was USC. Keller yeah. had a good first half, and then he, I think, threw like four or five picks in the second half against USC. 
the dagger was the one that went off Derek Hagan's hands. I will always remember that moment that he threw a pass to Derek Hagan, who kind of like volleyballed it into an interception. Uh, and that was basically the game at that point. Um, and then he got hurt the next week against Oregon. We got, you know, we lost that. Then he played against Stanford, but was terrible because he was playing with an injured hand. Rudy got in and we lost that game. But then, yeah, Rudy played. I mean, Rudy, I believe, if I remember right, was the nation's leading passer efficiency guy that year. Mm-hmm. And we only played half a season, but he threw enough to count for that stat. So, yeah, he played extremely well for that half a season. Which also, another ASU what if, is what if Rudy Carpenter was less concerned about his passer efficiency during his sophomore, yeah, junior, and senior years? the rest years. of his time. Yeah, <laughs> true, true. Rudy became very stats-obsessed. But... Going forward, then to the twenty or uh, the two thousand six season, yeah. Uh, before the season, Dirk Cutter announces that Sam Keller had won the job. He was going to return to his role as a starter. Then, various stories. My personal favorite, not sure how accurate it is, is that a group of players led by Terry Richardson went to Cutter and expressed concerns about uh, Sam Keller. Those concerns mm-hmm. later may or may not have become warranted during his time in Nebraska, but right. abruptly, Dirk Cutter changed course, named the younger Rudy Carpenter the starter. Sam Keller promptly transferred, uh, yep. and ASU under Rudy won their first three games, getting to number 22 in the country, uh, which I believe when you go from season to season was a 7-1 and one record. Yeah, Rudy yeah. Uh, in mm-hmm. starts and mm-hmm. then uh, the wheels kind of fell off lost three straight they definitely did yeah. and wound up uh, finishing the year with the same seven and six record four and five in conference and losing to the Colt Brennan Hawaii yeah. Warriors with a with a lame duck Dirk Cutter who had been fired after the Arizona game officially um, although he knew he had been fired even before the Arizona game that year um, and coached that team but boy that that team that was one of the ugliest bowl game performances maybe topped only by the Dennis Erickson lame duck bowl game in Vegas where he got trashed by Boise State uh, so the the what if for me is what if that 2006 team, had been led by Sam Keller, uh, yeah. who would have had two years of Sam Keller, presumably a Rudy Carpenter red shirt, means we don't ever have a Danny Sullivan season. No, you're right. Now, the the various branches I'll go with that what if is, what if Sam Keller could have kept his head on straight? Because I believe, I mean, I don't know this to be 100% certain because I wasn't there, but I've heard enough legitimacy to it that what you said is true. Sam Keller had a drug problem. Let's just, let's just say what it is that that was the open secret to round ASU that Sam Keller had a drug problem and that the, the players went to Dirk Cutter and basically said, we can't trust this guy. He's out of control. Uh, and, and that's why that changed. And so whether that's true or not, I don't know. I, you know, obviously was not on the inner circle of the team ever, and that was before I worked for the ASU athletic department, so I really don't know. Um, but I talked to enough people who did at that time, and, and there's pretty much consensus that that was the case. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those. Sam Keller is a great what-if in ASU history because, boy, did he have – he had swagger. He had, you know, he had the makings of a star. Well, I remember uh, the, uh, the Sun Bowl – 
with yes. the, you know, when he just was going nuts and the samurai the, moves. The swing pass to Rudy Burgess for the win. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, yeah, we took it in and beat Purdue. And, and yeah, he did a little bow. And, and yeah, I mean, he had he had star power. There's no doubt. Like, Andrew Walter was a really good player. But Andrew Walter didn't really have star power. He was mostly a bland character. You know, he, 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 wasn't, he wasn't flashy. He, you know, he just kind of decent. You know, good football player. But didn't really bring a whole lot of extra to it. Keller did, and and you know it all kind of. I mean, I threw this out there before we even went down the road about the LSU USC. You know, you just wonder where would Sam Keller's career have gone if we beat LSU and or beat USC. Uh, you know, he all of a sudden becomes a megastar if we win one of those games or both. And does it maybe maybe his personal problems get worse? distinct possibility i mean if you become a big time star sometimes the temptations are even greater um but yeah that's that's a great one because you know does does the season end with dirt getting fired you know do we hire dennis erickson you know i mean there's all kinds of limbs to that does rudy transfer he probably does Mm -hmm. um you know i will i was there for this i can attest to this rudy carpenter telling an si reporter this was a couple years later but going back through that story about Sam Keller and saying very famously stuck in my mind that he did not threaten to transfer. He just said he was going to go to another school if Sam Keller was the starter. Mm-hmm. And yes, that's essentially the same thing. Uh, and so, you know, Rudy probably doesn't stay. He probably goes somewhere else. Uh, so then what do we have to replace Sam Keller? I mean, yeah, that's, that's a really good one because yeah, you, you know, that's kind of what I thought with things like this is like, all the different limbs you could go to from one decision, one thing that could have gone the other way. And that's certainly one that could have gone the other way. Maybe it would have ended worse or maybe things would have gone differently. Maybe Dirk keeps his job for another couple years, whatever. It's, that's an interesting one to go down that road. So that's my, that, that was my ASU one. Uh, okay. I have, okay. A, I have a, a couple more, but if you want to go, Give sure, me. we'll we'll kind of trade off. Yes, yeah. So I I had a number of them. I, I think the first the first one that I thought of, and again, I tried to come about this as like realistic sort of things that could have happened. Not you know, I I, I read some different things about like you know, uh, what if you know, baseball had never been segregated or something. Well, like that did that did happen. Like yeah, that that's not really a what if type of thing to me. Yeah, you know, you could make that argument, but. It was what it was, but more things that, you know, like toss up moments, toss up decisions. And the one I thought of first, and I found a whole lot of different legs to it, is what if Peyton Manning had entered the draft in 97 instead of, you know, going back to Tennessee. And so the Jets who had the number one pick, they needed a quarterback. They were one in 15 the year before. Glenn Foley was their starter. They hired Bill Parcells, very likely would have taken him because there was no other quarterback you know who the only quarterback to go first round in 97 was i do not jim druckenmiller 19 and he was like the 26th pick or something like that so there was no other big time quarterback prospect so manning probably goes number one instead what the jets did was they traded down to st louis took orlando pace who became a foundational piece of the rams and if the Rams don't get Orlando Pace, is there a greatest show on turf? Is there a Kurt Warner? Uh, you know, I mean, you wonder. 
he was a he was a he's a Hall of Famer, and having that big time left tackle allowed them to have the offense that they had years later. Uh, meanwhile, the Jets trade down to six, then trade down again. Seattle trades up to six and gets Walter Jones, another Hall of Famer that maybe doesn't land in the place that he ended up. You know, they went to a Super Bowl. He was a big time piece of the Seahawks team in the two thousands. So there were two places right there. Meanwhile, let's say Manning goes to the Jets, plays for Parcells, who was on Bill Parcells' staff, Bill Belichick, who took over a couple years later and then quit immediately. But if they have Peyton Manning, does Bill Belichick stay where and never go to the Patriots? And we don't have the Patriots run with Bill Belichick? Who knows? I mean, it's one of those, like, tremendous swing moments. And then one other leg, are the Colts still in Indianapolis? If they don't get paid Manning, you know, they don't have theoretically the run they had in the early 2000s, and they were a prime candidate to move out of the RCA Dome and be in L.A. potentially. Yeah. So well, I found a whole bunch of legs to that one that could have could have shifted history. Well, and I just, you wonder then, you move that forward, the next season, you've got Ryan Leaf? Ryan Leaf, right. As the... Is he the consensus only one? number one? Yeah, no. yeah. And and so does he go to the Colts? And obviously that was a toss-up. And that's another one you could do from this. What if the Colts take Leafs? You know, but for me it was more like, boy, I mean, Manning was the consensus top guy after his junior year. And it was a surprise that he went back. And if he doesn't go back, now, you know, probably the least affected Although Tennessee did win the SEC that year, but they didn't win the national title, you know, so it, like it didn't, it, and he didn't win the Heisman, he finished runner up. Um, but just the ripples in the NFL that that potentially has, I mean, the biggest one being to me, what, what of the Jets? What of the Jets if they get Peyton Manning versus James Ferrier, which is who they ended up with out of that draft? A nice player, but certainly not Peyton Manning. And, you know, uh, and they were in the AFC title game two years later with Vinny Testaverde. But if they had Manning, they wouldn't. Have, you know, they obviously wouldn't have Testaverde. No Sanchez, uh, you know, Matt. No, no Sanchez. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it has it has ripples. Yes, yes. I mean, does does Parcells potentially win another Super Bowl? Who knows? And if so, where does he rank? If he has another Super Bowl with another team, I mean, he's already considered an all time great. But if he wins a third with a different team, you know, and then if Belichick takes over. I mean, again, Belichick much more likely probably to stay with the Jets if he's got a franchise quarterback. Now, the Jets, yeah, they had their dysfunction, but maybe some of that dysfunction goes away. I mean, the the Colts were known as dysfunctional before they got Manning and Dungy and Harrison and all those guys. And and then all of a sudden they were a model franchise. So, uh, you know, you get good players and dysfunction a lot of times tends to go away. Yeah. So it's one of those that, like, I found so many different offshoots of it. You know, you think about the teams that won championships shortly after, you know, and really, I mean, do we have this Patriots dynasty? If there's no Belichick at the Patriots, we probably don't. I think that's fairly safe to say uh, that, you know, he's the, he's the key to that whole puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and how quickly it, it it spins out, and that's you're right. That is the fun thing is when you can spin it out all these different directions, all the different ways that it maybe ends up. Yeah, yeah, you know, like and like obviously this whole exercise is just for fun because these things didn't happen, uh, you know, and that's that's the that's the point of them. 
but you just think about how it would have affected I me. Mean, you think about the Hall of Famers, coaches and players, that potentially their careers were affected by that decision. Parcells, Belichick, Kirk Warner, Orlando Pace, uh, Manning, obviously. Mm-hmm. All, all the guys who played with Manning and Indy, Harrison, mm-hmm. Marshall Falk, Ezra yeah. James. I mean, the, the list goes on and on and on yeah. and on and on. Uh, you know, like that the things might have been different for them. Yeah. I mean, you go the other way to the, you know, does Tom Brady become a thing? Does right. it, what happens if what happens if Brady does become a thing, but all of a sudden they're in the same division? Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, and is and like, look, we know that we know that Brady became a great player. But early on, Brady was a manager, you know, that those first championship teams, they were defense oriented. They were Belichick special teams, uh, you know. Then that changed as time went on, and they became very, you know, offensively powerful and all that. But, like, yeah, I mean, if if is that even a thing if Belichick's not there? I don't think so. I mean, I'm not a big Bill Belichick fan, but you can't deny that he has built a culture there of excellence that everybody has fallen in line with, basically. And so if he's not there now, does he have the same effect with the Jets? Maybe, maybe not. You know, is is the patience there in New York to let him, you know, have his early failures and work through it? Is the ownership as good? Probably not. So, I mean, it, you know, yeah, it's just one of those things that you just wonder, like, could have been amazing and maybe none of these careers turn out as good. Maybe Peyton Manning isn't built for New York. Now, now you'd look at him and say, well, he's big commercial megastar. He would have been a great fit in New York. In 1997, he wasn't that. Maybe the New York pressure gets to him and he doesn't become the player he ends up being, whereas being an indie allowed him to kind of grow into that star role. Yeah. That's a good one. I like that one. Yeah, that was that was the first one I thought of. So that was that was my first submission. Um, I had a fairly obvious one that's been done to death. So I, I'm almost inclined to skip it, but it's the James Harden <laughs> trade. Um, uh, okay. Oklahoma yeah. City. You know, yes. they're they're coming off of a title run. They've got Westbrook, Durant, and Harden. Harden's coming yeah. off sixth man of the year. They're gonna have to pay him. Yeah. And everyone thinks they're not gonna do it. Uh, but they keep saying they are. And then the Thunder try to find a fit that works. The fit becomes Houston, which mm-hmm. is one of those other things where you get to see the guy all the time. Um, but, but so the ultimate trade was Harden, Daquan Cook, and Lazar Hayward for Kevin Martin, Jeremy Lamb, a 2013 first, a 2013 second, and a 2014 first. Those picks became, in order, Steven Adams, Alex Abrinas, and Mitch McGarry. Wow. Wow. Okay. Harden, well, Adams turned out to be a pretty good player for him, but that's about it. Yeah, I mean, Harden obviously wound up becoming an MVP, a two-time runner-up, yeah, uh, and a marketing hero with the beard, and, and very likely future Hall of Famer. I yeah, think fair, fair to say. Yeah, yeah, face of the franchise. Sure. The Thunder never returned to the finals, um, which is crazy to think about. You know, this was. Remember that Thunder Finals team, the three of them, the story was the three of them stood out and watched yes. the celebration because they yes. didn't want to forget that feeling. 
Right. So that they I could go the, do I it. I remember the picture of Harden standing in the middle with his arms around both of them. And never again. They break never up. Never again. And they never don't again. get there. Westbrook, you know, has these freak injuries at the ro- at the worst possible time that he always comes yeah. back from. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then... But I think it was the next year, the first year after the Harden trade, Westbrook got hurt right before the playoffs. Yeah. And they bowed out early. And the Spurs ended up going to the finals. And, the, and I rem- you know, as a Spurs fan, the Thunder had beaten the Spurs in 2012. Spurs had taken a 2-0 lead, and then the Thunder won four in a row in the conference finals. And it was like, well, that's it. Passing of the torch. Spurs run over. Thunder are going to own the West for the foreseeable future. And that trade contributed to that not being the case at all and probably played a big role, to be 100% honest, in the Spurs getting that last title. You know, and so you can spin it out. Harden had won the sixth man of the year. Was he compatible with Westbrook? Well, we learned this season that they could play together. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. this was, you know, different time. seven years later. Sure, sure. Different time in both of their careers. Neither had neither had really established himself as a megastar. And so, yeah, it, it might not have worked as well had they played together, continue, you know, continue to play together at that time. You know, would, would uh, the Thunder and Sam Presti have been right that the contracts would have become unmanageable? Um, you know, what you if know, they you, had decided think to... not. But yeah, what yeah. if they had decided to go a different way? You know, what if they had decided to keep a hardened Durant nucleus? Yeah, you know, get rid of Westbrook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, I mean it's, obviously, it's, all of these guys won MVPs either regular did. season they and did. or postseason. But right, right, yeah. I mean, and that's the you know again, sort of like sort of like the one I just you know you can spin this forward because you know if if Oklahoma City keeps that team together and wins a championship, even just one, Durant probably never goes to the Warriors. I mean, I think it's fair to say Durant went to the Warriors because the pressure to, I've got to win a title, to main, you know, have some legitimacy as an all-time great became so much that he had he had no choice. Um, and he didn't really get the respect he wanted out of that, which is why he then left the Warriors. But, you know, like, does do the Warriors become what they are if the Thunder beat them to it, potentially? You know, I mean, I don't know if the Thunder would have been as good, but boy, three MVPs on one team would have been something pretty special. Yeah. Um, so, so I think that I mean, if you go on the internet, that one's been beaten to death. That is every a good one. Way, yeah, I I didn't think about that one, but a very good one. That uh, yeah, I mean, again, you just think about the how the far-reaching effects of that because you know, what if they become the dynasty? And then the flip side, sort of like what I just said about, you know, like maybe Harden never becomes the player he is yeah. if he's in the shadow of Westbrook and Durant. Maybe Harden's career becomes, you know, the uh, the sixth man contributor yeah. guy. The, the player that we thought he was going to be. You yeah. know, I mean, we've talked about that a lot, that, you know, coming out of ASU, we thought that kind of the peak for Harden was what he was in that 2012 season sixth man of the year great instant offense off the bench you know second or third option on a good team when he i remember when that trade was made to send him to houston and i remember thinking i don't know about this i'm not sure he's a he's a top dog because he to be 100 percent honest like he wasn't at asu he he was the best player but but he he didn't really it had to be forced on him 
Yes, you know? yes, yes. It and was only because everyone else was looking for him to be the guy right, to be right. step up to in in he an in game moment. Yeah, you know, he wasn't that alpha dog personality that you hear about. Like you know, he 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 was not. He was the best player, and he stepped up and had great moments. But you know, like you saw the struggles he had in the tournament. And granted, that was only two games, very small sample size. But he didn't play very well in those two tournament games. And you thought, like, I don't know, is this guy really cut out to be a number one guy on an NBA team? I didn't think so. Well, and, and he has proven me wrong over the, the last eight years, the, without a doubt. One of the flip sides to this is, you know, does he become a Clay Thompson where he becomes content in his role and his role grows right. every year? Right. Uh, Could be. You know, or or not. Does he become a Draymond Green where it's, you know, he's an invaluable piece, but everyone thinks, well, he's an invaluable piece for that system. For that team. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a, yeah, that's a very interesting one. I mean, the NBA is, is loaded with teams who kind of got close and didn't get there. And the Thunder are a great example. I mean, in previous generations, it was the Kings of the early 2000s. It was the Blazers of the 90s. You know, the teams that they, they knocked on the door. They did everything but walk in the door, and they never walked in the door, uh, you know. And and the Thunder are that, you know, for our decade that we just finished here. I think they're the perfect example because, man, if you had, I think if you told anybody, you know, I, I remember that finals and Game Five, I believe was the same night as the U.S. Open ended. But I remember watching the end of Game Five, and I was I was happy, even though I liked Harden, and at that time I really liked Durant too. But I wanted LeBron to win a title. And I, you know, I was happy they did. But boy, if you told anybody or told me that night that they would never get back to the finals, I would have thought there's no way, no way. I mean, it was the, the sky was the limit for what they were going to do. Well, if you told, if you got told Westbrook's going to be an MVP in the next five yeah. years, Harden's yeah. going to be an MVP in the next five years, Durant's going to win two. Is it two? NBA Finals MVPs? Two Finals MVPs, yeah, both both and, uh, times he won with the Warriors, yeah, yeah. And none of them would compete together in the Finals. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's it's wild, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it definitely is. I mean, you, it's amazing that, that run, I mean, for that team organization, they were the Sonics when they first uh, started that run of drafting. But, it, you know, in three straight years, they drafted MVPs. Durant, Westbrook, Harden. Now, granted, they were all top five picks. You expect to get good players, but to get three MVPs in three years is pretty darn good drafting. Uh, and and to have really nothing to show for it. Uh, I mean, you know, Durant did win an MVP with them, and Westbrook obviously won his with them. And they got to a finals. You know, Western Conference title is not nothing, I guess, but you would have expected more. And Seattle Sonics fans rubbing their hands with glee that we can say that. Yeah. So that's my second one. That's a good one. That is a good one. Okay. Well, let's see. What do I want to – I I did a football one. That's quite honestly the majority of mine are football ones. But I'll go – I'm going to go basketball on this one. A little earlier in our lifetime. Don't really remember it based on when it happened. But, again, the, the ramifications of it. What if Len Bias doesn't die right after getting drafted by the Celtics? Another one that gets talked about a lot, but he was going to be the next big thing. And the Celtics had just won the NBA championship, their mm-hmm. third in, in six years. And it was, you know, this was the next generation. He was going to he was going to take them on and 
bird could kind of slowly fade in the background and instead, you know, kind of similar to what we talked about again, drugs making their way into this discussion and this what if with Sam Keller and now with him, he dies just a few days after the draft, I think. Yeah, the draft was timeline. The the draft was June seventeenth of eighty six. He died on June nineteenth. And I believe it was early in the morning that day. Yeah, because uh, it was like a post-draft party, essentially, yeah. that I believe he was at, you know, and, and now we don't know what his career would have become. But, you know, again, to play this game out, let's say he becomes the player he was supposed to be. The Celtics never won another title with that group. Now, they, you know, it took them 22 years to win another championship with, with you know, Pierce and Allen and Garnett in 08. But they got old quick. They were back in the finals in 87, lost to the Lakers. And then that was it. They were done. You know, Bird's back gave out. Uh, McHale and Parrish got old. And they became kind of the, the, like, the cautionary tale of don't let your team get too old. You got to build for the future. You got to make sure you got – well, maybe they don't become that if they have Len Bias. If he becomes a star, does, you know, does Bird win more championships? And do we, you know – Bird gets talked about in the all-time greats, but if Bird has five championships compared to three – and where you know where do we talk about him when we're talking about you know the best ever um and and then further on do the bulls become the bulls yeah i mean like we you know we just had this big documentary about the bulls of the 90s and that you know if the celtics were still a force maybe the bulls don't i'm not saying they wouldn't have won any titles but maybe they don't own the 90s of the east or at least the early 90s Um, you know, what if the Celtics continue to be a power as they were supposed to be? Because this was an incredible stroke of luck to get this guy, you know, after coming off a championship, the NBA is not supposed to work that way. They get the number two pick in the draft. They take this guy who's going to be a huge star. Instead, he never plays a game for them. Looking at that draft, one of the things that's stunning, really. Yeah. Is so Brad Doherty went number one. Right. A solid career. Yeah, and and Brad Doherty had been to at, I'm on Wikipedia one at least one All Star game and All NBA team. Yeah, yeah. The only Hall of Famers were Arvidas Sabonis, who did not come over forever. No, no. And Dennis Rodman drafted in the second round. A late pick, yeah, yeah. The first round is I'm looking at it now too. It's got some, you know, some nice journeyman players. Uh, you know, Ron Harper, Chuck Person, John Sally, Del Curry, you know, uh, you know, decent players, but not loaded with difference making talent. Yeah. And yeah. and boy, drugs sure had their effect on this draft, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Roy Tarpley was famous for his numerous suspensions. And if I'm not mistaken, wasn't Chris Washburn affected by drugs, too? three pick yeah it says uh washburn tarpley and william bedford all had What's, drug problems okay i didn't even so know william bedford so that's your sixth pick your third yeah. pick and your seventh pick yeah yeah i mean hey boy you can uh you can certainly see the effect of the culture at that time i suppose yeah yeah but uh yeah i mean you just you just wonder again who knows Maybe Len Bias doesn't, you know, maybe he doesn't become that good. Maybe he's like most of the guys in this draft where you say, eh, he's, you know, decent, but he never matched what he was in college. Certainly there are high picks that you could say that about. Um, But, 
boy, if he becomes the difference maker that he was supposed to be, you just, you know, again, sort of the same way we talked about, you know, the Harden one and then the, the Manning one. Like, how many careers are affected by that? Jordan, Bird, Magic, I mean, the, the greats of the game, maybe they're they're affected by him being that good and therefore the, the Celtics are better. Maybe the Lakers don't win again in 87 and 88. Is there a bad boy Pistons? which gave rise to the, you know, the Knicks of the 90s and that ugly style of basketball that really was not very popular. I mean, you just, you know, again, I'm going several steps down the road, but that's the fun of these types of things. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a, that's a very good one. And the NBA and draft provides a lot of those. Is, you know, oh, drafts are a great place. I mean, that, that honestly was where I looked at some of these things because just like the Manning one, you know, it's like, early entry decision or not decision take somebody one or two i mean obviously you know the famous ones you know the, the blazers taking sam bowie over michael jordan the you blazers, know, the, taking, the blazers greg taking greg Oden over <laughs> kevin Durant. yeah you know i mean like there's some that are really notable um and some that went the other you know like the colts taking manning over leaf and that went very well for them what if they made the other decision uh you know so yeah there's there's a few like that um, so I've done, I, I've hit football and basketball. I'm going to end with the baseball one, which was the, when you yeah. told me this idea, it was the first one I told you. <laughs> uh, all right, all right. It is, what if Jeremy Giambi was safe at home in game three of the 2001 ALDS? It is a moment in time. Yeah. The A's had gone into New York. This is the... Post 9-11, everyone's rooting for the Yankees, Yankee team yeah. that wound up losing to the Diamondbacks. Right. The A's right. going to New York, and in game one, Mark Mulder outduels Roger Clemens. Uh, Mark Mulder. God, he was good. He beats Clemens. That name brings back so many memories. A's win 5-3. Game two, in the Bronx, Tim Hudson outduels Andy uh, Pettit. 2 nothing. A's win. I know. I know. Game three, we come back to the Coliseum. It's Barry Zito time. It's 2001 Barry yeah. Zito. Okay? Oh, yeah. This is his, you know, we've switched to number 75. We yeah. are a 17-game winner. You know, this is prime Barry Zito. The next oh, year, yeah. the next year is, you know, Zito in his prime, I believe Cy Young. Cy Young, I think, yep, yep. yep. Cy Young winner the next season. So this is prime Barry Zito. He holds the Yankees to two hits. One is a Jorge Posada solo home run in the fifth inning. In the seventh inning, down, one nothing, With two outs, Jeremy Giambi's on first. Terrence Long, who had homered in game one twice, yeah. crushes a ball into the corner. And Giambi... Comes around third. The throw from Shane Spencer goes nowhere. It's going to die between home and first base. And out of nowhere, Derek Jeter comes sprinting across the infield, corrals the ball, and has the presence of mind to flip it to Posada, who tags Giambi, who did a little, like, hop, jump instead of a slide or change his direction, gets tagged out. The A's... Go quietly. Rivera picks up the save. They lose the next night where El Duque beats Corey Lytle because, yeah. obviously. And then they return to the Bronx where Stanton beats Mulder 5-3. 
and they never get beyond that. The Moneyball really A's, make a run. Yeah. You know, with yeah. their three-headed monster that was primed. This was before Mulder's arm trouble, and he had to get shipped out to St. Louis. It's before Hudson had to go to Atlanta. Yeah. It's before Zito got too expensive and, and less effective with the Giants. Yeah. This yeah. was yeah. the Moneyball A's. And, and maybe the team that had the best chance to do something. I mean, you know, you know, they had a number of them in the 2000s. But, yeah, you know, you, you say that, and that that seems like that was their team that could have could have really made some noise. And they, they never really – they won one series, didn't they? At yeah. one point, and they, they got out of the first round one time and lost in the LCS. Yeah. That was the same year. It was the 116-win yeah. Seattle Mariners. Mariners. The last time they've been in the playoffs. And, you know, it would have been interesting to see that AL West team. And and because one of those teams then would have gone to the World Series. You would have had an all-West Coast World Series against the Diamondbacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's an excellent one because, I mean, first of all, I think it's probably one of the signature plays of Derek Jeter's career. Maybe the signature play. Defensively, I think it's that and the dive into the stands to catch the foul ball. And that's it. yes. Yes, you know, and and Jeter's career is a, he's kind of a polarizing figure, I think, because there's people who say, "Oh, God, if he was Derek Jeter playing for the Kansas City Royals, he would just be a decent player." And then others who say, "Oh, he was the heart and soul of the Yankees, and he won five championships, and how could you dare say that?" Well, and like, over three thousand hits. Yeah, but he was yeah, never. I mean, it, don't let the Gold Gloves fool you. Never a defensive darling for the Moneyball fan. I mean, many, many have argued that, and probably correctly, that Rodriguez should have played short when he got traded there. That Rodriguez was a better shortstop, but that there was just, there was, at that point, 2004, there was no challenging Derek Jeter's position as shortstop of the Yankees. This wasn't. You know, I mean, you know, God himself could have come down and Jeter would have played shortstop for the Yankees. Um, You know, so... But but it's those little moments like that that are really the stuff that makes Jeter Jeter. And if that moment doesn't happen, you know, I mean, I'm not saying there wouldn't it wouldn't be any other moments. He'd already won four World Series at that point in his career. But you think about that moment, which then led to in the 01 World Series, which they didn't win, but he hits the game-winning homer, I think, in game four, the mm-hmm. extra innings game. Um, you know, as the calendar turns to November, which gives him the, you know, moniker, Mr. November, that still, still gets used with him every now and again. Um, you know, like that moment doesn't happen because they're out. I mean, if that moment doesn't happen and the A's win that game, they're swept out. And there is no famous 2001 world series games in New York with George W. Bush throwing out the first pitch and the electricity of those moments. And I mean, it, it's, it's wild to think about how different that postseason would be if the Yankees get swept out in the first round. Yeah. I, so for me in, in recent baseball, that's a really good one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause that, that was such a coin toss play. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, if he scores, it's one, one, you laid out the scenario perfectly. It doesn't mean they win the game. But let's, you know, again, we're playing the what-if game. If he scores, it's 1-1. They got all the momentum. They win that game. And, you know, they go on. Do they go to the World Series? Do the Mariners? The Mariners, who I believe now are the only franchise to have never played in the World Series. Am I correct about that? Uh, now that the Nationals made it? Yes, I think that's true. Uh, 
uh, you know, so, I mean, the Mariners were a great team that year that then got beat by the Yankees. Maybe they beat the A's. Yeah. They, were the, they were the best team all year, uh, you know. And, yeah, and, and, I mean, that, you ro- know, you know, that rotation with uh, yeah. an old but productive Jamie Moyer right. and, and right. a young and productive Freddie Garcia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ichiro at the height of his powers. That was his rookie year when he won. Did he win MVP and rookie of the year? Yeah, Fred Lynn-esque. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like like that, that was a good team. Well, I mean, and that and, team had Edgar Martinez, Hall of Famer. Right. Ichiro, Hall of Famer. Yeah. Managed by be, yeah. Lou Pinella, Hall of Famer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that was the career year for Brett Boone. I, I take it back. I don't know if, he, you know what? I don't know if Lou Pinella is a managing I'm Hall of Famer. I'm not sure he's a Hall of Famer. As a, it would have been as a manager, a, but I, you But know. you'd say he's a, you know, if not... He's a great manager. Well, you know, and he's a World consider Series manager. he, yeah, I mean, he won the World Series with the Reds. Imagine right. if he had, you know, won if he one. Had another there one, he's the, probably yeah. in. Yes, yes, you know. And then, I mean, I think about the effects of the city I live in, the city that you lived in for a few years. Like, what if the Diamondbacks don't win that World Series? And what becomes of that? You know, I mean, that the Diamondbacks went all in starting in 1999, spend a ton of money and they didn't go the patient route and it worked. They won the 2001 world series. And so no one can ever argue that it didn't work, but you know, yeah, I mean, if they're playing the A's or the Mariners who by the numbers over the course of the season were better teams than the Yankees, maybe they don't win that world series. And maybe Phoenix still doesn't have any major championships. And the persecution complex in this town is even worse than it already is. Yeah. Well, and, when you extend that a little bit further, maybe there isn't a Diamondbacks anymore. There might not be. Yeah. I mean, you know, who knows? Who knows? I mean, it's, it's, uh, cause that 2001 World Series, it, along with probably the 93 NBA Finals, which the Suns didn't even win, but those are probably the signature moments. I, I guess the Cardinals uh, Super Bowl run too in, in, you know, the 08 season, this, you know, January 09. Um, you know, those are the moments that people in this city, Phoenix sports fans, revel about. They, they, you know, and and of those three, the only one that Phoenix team won is that World Series. And and so, yeah, I mean, you know, like I, you know, I'll be honest with you. When you mentioned the Jeremy Giambi play last week, when we talked about this idea, I didn't realize it was two thousand one. I knew it was around that time, but I didn't know it was that same year. And, and so, you know, you just think about that one little moment, again, the ripple effects. And, boy, if the Diamondbacks don't win that World Series, what is the Phoenix sports scene uh, and, and what does this city really have to hold their hat on? Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, for me, this, this was the kind of – this is why my AL team that I support has been the A's. Oh, was from, gosh. I mean, I, you know, I love those A's teams too. I, I mean – that was the prime of me following prospects. And so Hudson, Mulder, Zito, that, I mean, I love that team. And it was, you know, it was one of those things where after, when they're up 2-0 in that series, yeah, when yeah. all these guys are 25 or younger, that's like if you had told me then the same thing you told Thunder fans after that final. Right. Uh, this is right. it. This exact moment when we're up 2-0, this is the best it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, yeah, I mean, because that was, that was a good – I mean, I'm looking now at that A's team. So not only did they have those pitchers, but Jason Giambi, 
who was in his absolute prime. Miguel Tejada, Eric Chavez, Johnny Damon, Jermaine Dye. David that Justice. That was a loaded team. I believe loaded. was the DH. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, god dang, that team was loaded. Like, yeah. Oh, and, really good and by the way, Isringhausen as the closer. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, gosh, that was a good team. And, I mean, like, the, the legacy of those A's teams is – Boy, they were great, but they never made any noise in the postseason. They, you know, they just constantly flamed out. And you, you know, if if one of those, I mean, the, the one that cross sports, and this isn't the one I was going to do, but you know, the one that I think of is is the Buffalo Bills. You know, if if Scott Norwood makes that field goal, does that change the next years for them? Do they win another Super Bowl? And even if they don't, even if they've only won one out of four, they're still a Super Bowl champion. You know, and that that legacy is different. And so, if the if that A's team, maybe they never do anything else, but they win that World Series, or even get to the World Series, do we view those A's teams differently in in history? Well, do they get money? Does it become yeah. a thing where true, you know, true. They, you know, if you want to really spread out the the ripple effects of this, what happens when the Red Sox tell Theo, "Hey, we're going to do Moneyball with money"? If the A's have true. won the World Series and all of a sudden they have money, maybe that's true, or go a different way on the ripple effect. Do the A's have a new stadium? Are they playing in Sacramento? Are they playing, yeah. you know, in San Francisco, but still called the Oakland A's? That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you never know. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at their, did they ever have a better team? So they won 102 games that year. The next year they won 103 and lost in five games. Boy, they had some hard luck. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Two, so 2000, they lose in five games in the first round of the Yankees. Oh, one, they lose in five games in the first round of the Yankees. Oh, two, five games in the first round to the Twins, I believe. Yeah. Oh, three, five games in the first round to the Red Sox. God dang. Talk about a what-if team. I mean, how easily they could have maybe won multiple world championships. Yeah. No, That's nuts. Four years in a row, they lost an elimination game. And oh, by the way, as we talked about, their opponent would have been the Mariners, the Mariners who won a hundred and whatever, 16 games that year. Yeah, yeah. They played them nine and 10 during the regular season. They played them even during yeah. the regular season that year. Yeah. 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 Boy, that is, that's amazing. I mean, like, yeah, it's hard to believe that uh, that's one of those that, you know, is, is a classic example for this discussion, I guess, because how close they came to being a dynasty. And instead, they're just remembered as, boy, they had some good young talent, and then they all scattered to different places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you just said, Hudson went to the Braves, and Mulder went to the Cardinals, and Giambi went to the Yankees, and, uh, you and know, Damon Johnny went Damon, to the Red Sox, and Johnny the Yankees. Damon became a foundational piece of, of the Red Sox 04 team. You know, I mean, like, again, the, the ripples of this and the guys who went on to other places that, you know, had great success somewhere. Yeah. You know, it, it was a, a stunning collection of talent. Yeah, it really was. Really was. Man, oh man. That's that's amazing. Uh, how and gosh, I didn't realize four straight years they lost a game five. That's brutal. Mm-hmm. Rough. And I they've mean, lost split- a ton of toss up games since then. I mean, don't they have like I, I I don't know the numbers, but haven't they lost like seven or eight straight like elimination games either one game wild cards or or game sevens or game fives i i believe that's true they are in a uh they're in a funk 
They are. To say the least. They always have good teams and they and they just can't get over the hump and that I guess is the is the root of this discussion that we're having right now is like maybe they get over that hump early on and then that then that feeling never follows them anymore. You know, like if they win in two thousand one or even even just win even just win that series. Maybe they get beat by the Mariners. But they get to the LCS and they okay, you've made progress from the year before and you know, you come back in O two and you think, Okay, this is our year. And maybe it is. Maybe it is their year. It's uh yeah, they're a classic what if. That is that is a really good one. Yeah. I, I thought you were gonna say with regard to baseball, the the ninety four uh, you know, what if the season doesn't get wiped out? But but this one has maybe got so many other ramifications to it as well. Yeah, I mean, the 94 season's fun because it's, you know, would Matt Williams have broken the home yeah. run record? Yeah. Would the Expos yeah. have, you know, won the World Series? Would the Indians won have won series. the World Series? Right, right, you know? right. Would Tony Gwynn have hit 400? Because he was, he was not far off, I believe. Wasn't he hitting like 380-something at the, at the time the season stopped? Yes, he. he I mean, which is unheard of now that anybody would even come close to 400 for a full season. Maybe we'll have a 400 hitter this year. Who knows? Yeah, as we uh, let me see statistical leaders. Tony Gwynn was hitting 394. Gosh, wow, he was better than I even thought. Uh, He could have done it. Matt Williams had 43 homers. Griffey had 40. Yeah, when it stopped. And boy, I mean, I, I know this isn't what, you know, but hey, it's a fun one to talk about. Like, think about the after effects of that one. What if someone breaks that record and we don't have McGuire and Sosa, uh, you know, and, and but we don't need them, that, but we don't need exactly. them because the strike doesn't happen. I was going to say that, the you know, the, the reason that we have McGuire and Sosa and the, and the reason they became such heroes essentially is because baseball needed something to get people back on board and it worked i mean it, it absolutely did it was electric that summer and and early fall um and and uh yeah but i mean even if somebody doesn't break that record if we don't have the strike do we have the drive that we have to you know break that record and do it by any means necessary basically yeah it's, uh, it's a, I don't know. That's a, that's a, I mean, obviously, yeah, there's a whole lot. Are the, are the Montreal Expos still the Montreal Expos? And so to, to put this in perspective, when, when the season stopped, most teams were at 113 or 114 games. Okay. The Expos were 74 and 40. Wow. They had a six-game lead on the Braves with less than 50 to go. The Reds were a half game ahead of the NL Central Houston Astros. Okay. The Dodgers had a three and a half game lead on the Giants. But the Expos had an eight game lead on yeah. everyone else for home field. Yeah. Except yeah, for the I'm Braves. Looking, I'm looking at the standings right now, and boy, just like that A's team, looking at the guys on that Expos team. Well, it's Larry Walker, I know. Larry Walker, Marquise Grissom, Moises Alou, pretty good outfield. Cliff Floyd was a good young first baseman. Darren Fletcher, Will Cordero was the shortstop. Pedro. Pitchers, Pedro Martinez, yeah, yeah. Jeff Facero, Pedro Martinez, Gil Heredia, pretty good pitcher too. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Wetland was the closer. 
went on to be the closer for the Yankees. Man, and that, they had, that was a and they had Jeff team. Shaw, who went on to be the Dodgers closer. Yes, 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 yes. Their number one starter, or at least the guy with the most wins, was Ken Hill. I don't even remember that name. <laughs> I do remember that name. Do you? Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, he was 16-5 and five that year. Uh, that, that name does not sound familiar at all. It was, I believe, his one big season, but he was hung it? around forever. Let's look. Forever. Ken Hill. Yeah, you're right. 16 was his was his career high in wins. He he did get 16 and 96 also with the Rangers. Uh, but yeah, not not a 117 and 109 career record. Yeah. Pretty much an average pitcher. But that year led the National League in wins when the season stopped. And journeyman, right? I mean, he bounced around. Pretty much. Yeah, he was with. He started with St. Louis, went to Montreal, then went back to St. Louis, then Cleveland, then Texas, then Anaheim, then the White Sox, then Tampa. So yeah, I played for a lot of teams. Yeah, I mean, so there's a lot of fun that could happen here with you know what was going on. You know, a, a, a lot of the awards went how you would have expected with Greg Maddox yeah. winning the Cy Young. But one of the what ifs I think on this is. Uh, this Royals team was four games back, but if you look at the award winners, Rookie of the Year, Bob Hamlin, who, that was the end. That was the end of Bob Hamlin. Yeah, he was, boy, yeah, you're right. But, uh, and then Cy Young, David Cohn. Wow. Also wow, of yeah. the Royals at the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, wow. That's a that's a wild one, yeah. And, uh, I mean, you know, I, I remember the season, you know, it was, gosh, I was what? eight uh turn nine in october so i don't have a tremendous you know context to put it in but yeah just i mean obviously one of those that you wonder where the game would have gone and quite honestly where it would be if we you know there's still damage from that like you know yeah the 98 season helped and it got people back excited and and the home run chase and all that but but there's still long-term damage from wiping out a World Series that, that some people will just never get over. Well, and we're feeling it now. I I, yes. I firmly believe that canceling that World Series is why we're playing baseball this season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're probably right. Yeah, I mean, it just it's uh, that's that's a far-reaching because that was, I believe, I mean, the first time at least since all four sports existed that there was not a champion crowned in one of those sports. Uh, you know, I mean, I know hockey eventually 10 years later or so they, they wiped out an entire season, but to think that there would not be a champion crowned was unheard of at that time. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the ripple effects of the expos, I think is, yeah. the, you know, yeah. there's a lot, the, you know, the giants had played 115 games, which meant, you know, Matt Williams needed to hit 18 homers the rest right. of the way. Right, which yeah. could have been done, yeah. And and boy, would his legacy be different if he was the one to have broken that record. Yeah. When Griffey, the Mariners, had only played 112. Yeah, yeah, that could have been the year for him, yeah. So I mean, he, he, was, had, he needed to hit 21 in 50, basically. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Not I mean, impossible. You know, <laughs> no, definitely not, yeah. I mean, and if Tony Gwynn hits 400, like we remember Tony Gwynn as an all-time great player, deservedly, but that would have been a legacy stamper. I mean, you know, that, that would be the type of thing that would be like, you know, you'd think of him on the short list of all time, great hitters simply because of that. Yeah. What's amazing is that Tony Gwynn 
did not win the MVP. Didn't he? It was Jeff Who Bagwell. Won? Wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a different time now, obviously. And I don't, you know, in the game as it's played today, I don't think you'll see anybody approach 400. Um, you know, now batting champions usually hit like 320. Um, but you know, boy, he, that guy was just a, just a pure hitter. Just, you know, pure get on base, hit the ball. That was it. Didn't hit for power. Certainly didn't have great speed, but boy, could he hit. Well, so I want to just talk about Tony Gwynn. We're going to take a digression here. Tony Gwynn led the league in hitting eight different times. The first time he led the league in hitting, he was 24 years old. The last time he led the league in hitting, he was 37 years old. Gosh. Wow. In 2001, his final season, he played 71 games. He hit 324. Crazy. He was Crazy. he was age forty one. At age forty, he hit three twenty three. So he actually improved slightly. Yeah. Uh, that year. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. He ended and, his career as a three thirty eight hitter. Pretty good. Three thirty eight. He hit. That's pretty pretty good. He had three thousand one hundred and forty one hits. So I'm I'm looking at his numbers here. And one column is particularly jumping out to me. You want to guess what it is? Uh, I, I want to it's say one, it's, I, I, if or, it's not batting average, then I'm very curious. Well, batting average is, is certainly jumping out, but I'm looking at baseball reference in the column right next to it. Strikeouts. Oh, yeah. His career high in single season strikeouts was 40. <laughs> yeah. There's guys who strike out 40 times in a month now. He, he had 40 strikeouts in 578 plate appearances, 521 Good at God. bats. <laughs> I, you 434 wanna, career strikeouts. That's it. I, in 20 if, years. If you want to see something ridiculous, look at his 1994 line when he hit 394 yeah. with 419 at bats. 19 strikeouts. 419 at bats. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> like, I mean, I expected to see a low number of strikeouts. I went to look for this on purpose when you were look, talking about him, but I didn't know it was going to be this low. In, his, in a 20 year career, he struck out 434 times. Unbelievable. There's guys who strike out 200 plus times in a year now. Yeah. Like a lot of guys. It's not even unusual. Yeah. He had, uh, let's see, from. From 91 to 96, he did not strike out 20 times in a season <laughs> and played That's at amazing. least 110 games and had at yeah, least 475 yeah. I mean, plate appearances right. every time. These aren't like, you know, 50-game seasons where he was hurt or something like that. Yeah, he played 100-plus games every year from 84 to 99, actually 110-plus every year, and never struck out more than 40 times. And that was only once. Yeah. The high other than that was 35 twice majority of those years under 30 yeah he also led the league in batting in those years unbelievable unbelievable i mean like god dang you talk about how different the game is now and i'm not saying it's better or worse i mean i just i, I don't know you, you can make your own uh, judgment on that but that's just wild to look at those numbers well he okay so, some other things related to this he walked 790 times to his 434 yeah. strikeouts. Yeah. If yeah. you if you look, I think my favorite year for this is 1989. 
So he played 158 games. He had 679 plate appearances, 604 at-bats, 203 hits, led the league in hits, 336 average, led the league in batting average. Yeah, yeah. 30 strikeouts. Yeah. He struck out less than one out of every 20 at-bats. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. And I'm looking at, I mean, obviously, yes, batting average catches your eye, too. He never hit under 300 after his rookie year. His rookie year, he hit 289. And every year after that, he hit 309 or better. Two years at 309, every other year better than 310. That's incredible. Yeah. Like, we probably don't give this guy enough respect in the history of the game. And that goes, I mean, that kind of goes into my point that, like, if he has that one year where he hits 400, we probably do. I, I mean, that that would be the one that would be like, wow, this guy is the greatest hitter of all time if he did that plus everything else. Well, I, I'm very curious now, and I'm going to look this up while we talk. Okay. But I remember Ichiro, like, in batting practice, they would talk about how he would put on a show. And he would right. just, he would crush the ball, he could hit homers. But in yes. games, he decided, that's not he what didn't. I do. And right. Ichiro also never struck out 100 times in the season. Though, wow. though did strike out at rates that would have embarrassed Tony Gwynn. <laughs> yeah, um, apparently, yeah. But hey, he, his prime, or some of his career at least, was in the, the era now where strikeouts weren't discouraged. So we'll we'll factor that in with him, I suppose. But you look at Ichiro with with his numbers, and he homer he hit 117 homers in 19 years. Now, granted, he played okay. till he was 45, right, uh, right? And this doesn't count his stats from his time in Japanese ball. True. But you've got those guys. So who's the historical comp for them? Well, it's Ted Williams. Yeah. Ted Williams also never struck out a hundred times in a season. He missed three years due to military service. Yeah. Three entire years. But Ted Williams hit 521 homers yeah. and won a pair yeah. of MVP awards in the process. Now, True. True. I think that is why Ichiro only won one his rookie year, and Tony Gwynn never won an MVP award. He never won an MVP. Really? Never won. Wow. Best he finished wow. third in the voting. Wow. That's kind of amazing, which I think is similar to a guy we were talking about earlier in this discussion, Jeter. Didn't Jeter never win an MVP? Yeah. I think he was runner-up one year to Justin Morneau. I think that was the closest he ever got. Yeah, and he, you know, let's see. Jeter won Rookie of the Year, no MVPs, multiple, obviously multiple-time All-Star. Yeah, yeah. Um, Actually, more shocking to me is that he wasn't an All-Star in 2003 somehow. Wow, really? Huh. Yeah, not an all-star in 03 or 05, according to Baseball Reference. Huh, okay. But yeah, MVP runner-up once, third place once, twice. Yeah. Third place twice. Okay, okay. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of amazing. But yeah, these win numbers are, are off the charts good. Like, better than I even thought when we first started this discussion. So take out Jeter's age 21 season where he only played 15 games. His best strikeout year best well also take out 2013 where he was hurt all year yeah yeah was 81 wow when he was 37 years old he doubled the career high of Gwynn. yeah he hit 297 that year which is fine it's good yeah yeah it just puts into perspective the ability to slap the ball through the five and a half yeah between short and third yeah and and i think it it i mean 
the, the point we can't ignore in this is where you played. Like Tony Gwynn playing his entire career with the Padres versus Derek Jeter playing his entire career with the Yankees. And you mentioned Ted Williams. Now, granted, Ted Williams had 500 plus home runs and had a 400 season and all, you know, but like Ted Williams playing for the Red Sox makes a difference. You know, where you play, who you play for, it, it, it affects your legacy. Tony Gwynn made it to the postseason. Now, granted, much different with the wild card and things sure, but sure. at the end of his career. But at the beginning of his career, through the end, Tony Gwynn made the postseason three times. Ever. Wow. One World Series, yeah. which they yeah. lost two Jeters. They got swept. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> in yeah, case you no, were wondering, I mean, in that World Series, he hit a measly 500. Wow, yeah. He was 8 yeah. for 16 in that World Series. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that, that does make a difference, too. You know, the, the postseason success or lack thereof, I suppose. And I know you said, you know, he didn't win MVP in 94. And I looked, probably because the Padres were terrible. I think they were 47 and 70 when the season stopped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were they were awful. The Astros were yeah. pretty good. Yeah. yeah. And it's not like Bagwell had a bad year. No, yeah. no, but yeah, I mean, now would he have won MVP if he hit 400? Probably, if the season had played out, um, I think so. You know, we saw that sort of in in the uh, vein of the NBA a few years ago when Westbrook won because of the triple double. He had a great year, but other guys had great years too. But it just was kind of like consensus: well, he averaged a triple double. You got to vote him MVP. Yeah, that. Uh... That Astros team might be a what if from that year too. You got Bagwell Hall of Famer, Biggio Hall of Famer, Ken yeah. Caminiti, who was a yeah. MVP, Luis Gonzalez, Steve Finley, James Mouton in the outfield. Wow, couple of couple of the members of the O one Diamondbacks there. Mm-hmm. So you got a bunch of guys, and they're all in their prime. Caminiti yeah. was thirty one, Bagwell yeah. twenty six, Biggio twenty eight, Scott Service was the primary catcher. He was twenty seven. Gonzalez, twenty six on that team. You know, Finley, twty nine. Yeah, and their rotation: Doug Drabeck, Daryl Kyle, Greg Swindell. Uh, not bad. Yeah, I was. I was going to say Daryl Kyle. I figured he was on the team back then. Yeah. Well, and Doug Drabeck. Po- you know, yeah, this was he was a solid pitcher. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I believe this was after his Pirates stint, but he was still only thirty one. Yeah, still good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, there's. A lot of places you can go with these, and that was the the idea behind the discussion. So that's it. That's all my what ifs. Do you okay. have one more well, you want to do? I do. I'll do one more. Um, I'll give you some of the ones I considered. We won't go deep into them, but I, one of the others I've considered were Drew Bledsoe. What if he doesn't get hurt in two thousand one? Yeah. Uh, Carson Palmer. What if he doesn't get hurt in two thousand five in that first playoff game against the Steelers? Yeah. Um, and then my hockey one was, what if Edmonton does not trade Wayne Gretzky? And what effect that has on the NHL as it is, because him going to L.A. basically started the you know southern expansion of the NHL. Mm-hmm. But the one I'll do, and I'm doing it in part because it's kind of close to home for you, is what if the 49ers draft Aaron Rodgers instead of Alex Smith in 2005? Okay, I like this one. So- because we've discussed this one. A few times in the past. So if they take Rodgers number one overall, yeah, I think Alex Smith doesn't fall to the Packers. Probably not. Probably not. Now I don't know where he would have gone. It's not an easy place to find because obviously no one else took a quarterback till Rodgers. But yeah, it would seem likely not. 
But I so here's my take on this. I think that if if Rodgers goes to the 49ers, his career is better than Alex Smith's, but not markedly so. And I agree. If, and if Alex Smith falls to the Packers, his career is worse than Aaron Rodgers, and maybe markedly so. I I don't know yeah. if yeah. You know, I don't know what would have happened if Alex Smith had been asked to sit behind Favre. Would that have been good for him? Maybe. It might have been. It might have been. I mean, I, I think a big part of why, a big part of the success that Rodgers has had is that he got that time to develop because he didn't have a ton of college experience. He'd basically been a, a starter for one full year and part of another. But, you know, other than that, you know, he was a Juco kid. He wasn't a big-time prospect coming out of high school, went to a junior college, split time in 03. And then 04 was his year with Cal. They were really good. You know, they, they just missed out on the Rose Bowl. Um, but, you know, he didn't have a ton of experience. So that time for him was big. And, and then, you know, quite honestly, you know, it also helped that not only did he get three years to wait, but he, he stepped into a team that was pretty good. He had talent around him. You know, I mean, that, that team was not, I mean, the year before he became the starter, they were in the NFC championship game. So there was obviously pretty good talent around him when he took over. Yeah. I, it's, you know, the 2007 Packers under Mike McCarthy, 13 and three. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was the, the overtime loss to the giants there. And, uh, you know, that was a good team. You know, and Favre's 38. He's, you know, 28 touchdowns, 15 picks, but, yeah, you know. He'd had a bounce back year after two pretty down years. I mean, we, we talked last week about that 05 Packers team when we saw them in Monday Night Football. 06, I don't think they made the playoffs either. And then 07 was like a big resurgent year for him. Yeah. And, you know, the the other thing about Rodgers, when, when he steps in into the full-time gig in t- 2008, yeah, you've got Greg Jennings. That's Greg Jennings' year twenty-five or age twenty-five. Oh yeah, he season. was really good. Yeah, and, he had a lot and, of good years left at that point too. Donald Driver was turning thirty-three that year. James Jones was turning twenty-four that year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's that was a good group. He's surrounded by a talented core that became the talented core for the Super Bowl run for the Super Bowl team two years later. Right? You know. Looking at, I mean, I'm just looking at that team from his first year. Yeah. You know, you've got, well, let's see, who who was his primary? Greg Jennings, 80 catches, Donald Driver, 74 catches. Yeah. And Jordy Nelson shows up. Was he on that team too, or was he a year later? He he comes for the 08 team, 33 okay. catches okay. that year. Okay. Gotcha. All right. You know, and then you fast forward to the 2010 team, and – you know, Rogers' third full season. They go ten and five under him in his fifteen starts. Right. But they get hot late. They did. Ride they that did, hot yes. streak all the way through the basically all the way through the next regular season. Yes, yes, yes. Wasn't that the year that the um, Matt Flynn started like week sixteen, and they almost beat the Patriots when yes. Matt Flynn started, and then right and and. Or was it week fifteen or sixteen, 15, something like that? It was week fifteen, yeah. and it was uh, it was was it a Sunday night or a Monday? It was a night? Sunday night game, I think. Yeah, but it was and a the Patriots only game. won because they had 
they didn't they have like some one of their up backs return to kickoff for a touchdown or something like that? It was a freak play. Yeah. That basically broke the game. Yes. Yes. That I don't know if he took it all the way in, but they like they they It was a big return, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean it was like the momentum changing play because Flynn played well, I remember. I mean that was that was the first time Matt Flynn had really gotten a chance. Played well. Then he didn't then didn't he have the start at the end of the eleven season too? Yeah, that was like one where he set the team Detroit. record against the yeah. Lions. Yeah, he and he and Stafford threw for like eleven touchdowns that game or something. I remember that was a yeah. shootout. Yeah, Flynn uh, Flynn came in in relief, but in the Super Bowl year, so the guys who were there from Rodgers' first full year as a starter are now the top four receivers: Jennings, yeah. Driver, Jones, Nelson. Yeah, so his yeah. whole so, time I mean, the, he got to grow with those guys. Right, right. And I think that contributed. I mean, you know, you never know, obviously. I'm not, you know, but, but that that patience to learn and grow, I think that made him the player he, he became. And Alex Smith had just the opposite. He was thrown in right away, and the coaching staff turned over constantly. I mean, remember until Harbaugh. Didn't Alex Smith have like six different offensive coordinators in six years or something like that? I mean, it was crazy. Like the 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 recipe for ruining a good quarterback was all there with the 49ers. Yeah. Well, and he the other thing about Smith that is one of those you'll never know, but he he missed that whole year when he wrecked his shoulder. Right. Right. He got hurt. Right. Yes, that's right. Yeah. I mean, so because he was kind of I think they had Norv Turner and he had some success with Norv Turner as their coordinator. After mm-hmm. Norv Turner got fired by the Chargers, and then he got hurt, if I remember right. Because yeah. it kind of, you know, like he had a little bit of success, and then it bottomed out. And then Harbaugh was the saving grace for him. Uh, I mean, I know it's fashionable to rip Harbaugh now because of Michigan, but, like, Harbaugh saved Alex Smith's career. Yeah. And and then, you know, made the right call. When by Vicky Kaepernick. He did. He did. And, yes. And you it know, was but, one of those. That's one of those also classic what ifs. You know, it whenever is. whenever a coach makes that move. You know, yes. What if uh, What if Saban had stuck with Jalen Hurts? Right. You know? Right. Yes. Yes. I mean, yeah. And and yeah, you could do. You know, what if What if Harbaugh goes back to Alex Smith? And who knows? You know, dude, you know but but yeah, I just uh, to me that's one of those because that was a toss up. I, I mean, you know, you look at where they ended up going and you think, well, Smith went one and Rodgers went twenty four. Well, you know, that uh, that's not really. But it was. I mean, it came down to the to the morning of the draft. You didn't know who was going number one, and and then you know, play it out for the Packers because I think you're right. Alex Smith probably doesn't last that long. Seems pretty well regarded. You know, the Packers don't draft a quarterback that year. Probably not. So do they draft one the next year? What, you know, how does Favre's time end there? Does Favre go to the Jets slash Vikings? Like, there's all kinds of different ripple effects again to that one. Yeah. When you think, like, the Packers draft history, you know, you look back. So if there's no, presumably, if there's no Rodgers and they don't take a quarterback, then you know they don't really ever take a quarterback again until 08 when they take two Brom and right. Flynn. Brom and Flynn, right, right. You know, and looking at the 06, so the 06 draft was that was Vince Young, Liner, Cutler. I don't know that they would have been in position to get any of those well, guys. We were picking those fifth guys that all went year. top ten. 
We were picking Sith? fish. Okay. That was the that oh, was okay. the year where we fell apart and we took That's AJ Hall. Oh, yeah, you're right. So they could have they couldn't have gotten Vince Young, but they could have gotten Leiter or Cutler. How about that? What if Matt Leiter goes to the Packers? Then I would have had a much different relationship with Matt Leiner. <laughs> a guy who we talked about a few months ago with our most hated on your list. Yeah. I would have loved him. Maybe that yeah. would Matt Leiner have been Aaron Rodgers. I know, I know. Crazy, right? Yes, yes. How the how the hands of fate might have turned with just that move. But uh, We yeah, could have also knows? drafted perpetual NFL quarterback Kellen Clemens, who went they in round have. two. A, a, a Greg Powell yes. favorite, by the way. Uh, he was. Kellen I remember him, yes. He, didn't he have a Clemens jersey? I, Oregon? Yeah, he had the Oregon jersey, yeah. That's what I thought, yes, yes. That's what I, I remember that, yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was a, a, an interesting one and, and one that I figured, uh, you know, would resonate with you especially. Yeah, that is a good one. That's fun. Because that was, a, I mean, again, I, I looked at drafts and, you, God, you could do a ton of them, you know, if, if this team takes this guy or whatever. But, you know, those those type of ones that you just think, man, the little twists of fate from one decision and how it might have affected so many different people, things, franchises, players, coaches, etc. Yeah, I mean, drafts are always good for that. The one... Uh... It's funny because I was listening to, uh, you know, like Joe Posnanski was talking about drafts and baseball yeah. drafts. And, yeah. you know, in 2009, the 2009 draft, Mike Trout fell to 25. Right, right. And people are like, well, geez, if you did it over again, would you take, he'd be number one. It's like, well, no. Strasburg, everyone agreed Steven Strasburg exactly. was number exactly. one. Exactly. And, and that, yeah, see, and that's interesting because whenever they do those redraft things, and it's like, you know, well, I mean, I remember uh, whatever year Petroya went in the draft, whatever, I think it was 03, 04, whatever year it was. And, you know, then a few years later it was like, well, Pedroia, he'd be the number one pick in a redraft. No one was going to consider him for that. I always try to, like, think of it as it was at the time. Well, and that's why the Aaron Rodgers one resonated, because they were considering taking him. It's not like saying, you know, oh, the uh, – you know, whoever had the number one pick in 2000, they should have taken Tom Brady. No one was going to take Tom Brady number one overall. Yeah. He wasn't that kind of prospect. What's the, you know, it's Mike Piazza. It's like, wow, the Dodgers got yeah. a Hall of Famer in the 50th round. It's like, well. Right, right. No one expected that. Yeah, you know, I mean, and like, so I, I try to keep these things and, you know, sort of realistic because, yeah, I mean, that's a good one. No one, no one was going to take Mike Trout number one overall. They didn't know he was going to become the player he was. Now, granted, yeah, looking at it now, he's the best player from that draft. But that's yeah. not the same thing. Well, and somebody, I can't remember who he was talking to, and I wish I could, but but their point, like, they were walking back through it. I think it was on the podcast. Yeah, but it was, yeah. They were walking back through the draft, and, and the person who he was talking to, it might have been uh, Keith Law, was saying, look, mm-hmm. that year, the first team that might have taken him might have been the A's at 13. Really? You know, yeah. it's like, yeah. the you know, the Royals at 12 loved Aaron Crow. You know, that's uh, it. yeah. it's just, yeah. you know, you walk back through, it's like, I'm sure the Rockies who took Tyler Matzik at 11 would have loved to have right. Trout now. I'm sure the Reds but, who took Mike Leake at 8 would have loved to have Trout now. Yeah, probably so, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm sure probably just about every one of the teams that didn't take him. I mean, it's again, it's the same as the Brady, you know, like, well, you know, should have taken Tom Brady. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I'm sure every team in the NFL, including the Patriots, who passed on him multiple times, now look back and think, well, should have taken him higher. But no one thought he was going to be this player. Yeah. Yeah, look, if they would have known, they would have taken him number one right. overall. 
Yeah, I and, mean, I always, I always laugh at you know, thirty-one teams passed on Tom Brady. No, actually, thirty-two teams did. Yeah. If the if the Patriots had known he was going to be this good, they wouldn't have waited until the sixth round to get him. Yeah. So you know that stuff's always interesting. Yes, yes, yes. And hey, I mean, we could, you know, these these are the types of things you could do for hours and hours and hours. But I think we hit some good ones here. Yeah. Uh, so this concludes another sports list podcast. But baseball could be our last one for a while. Baseball, yeah. basketball. Yes, hockey. By by, like seventeen days from now, all three are supposed to be back in play. Yeah, uh, we have other things we we're aware we're, we just haven't talked about. You know, the Pac-12 is going conference only for football right now, and potentially more than that. The NFL's got all kinds of craziness. JJ Watt posted a thing today. We want to play, but we need to know these things and yeah. walk through a list. There's a lot of issues. There's a lot of things. Uh, I think that we should focus on trying to get these games. And if you really want sports to borrow from John Rothstein every day, just wear a mask. That's the <laughs> fastest way to get sports back to normal. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I'm just ready. I'm ready for for some action to come back. And, and I think we're, we're getting close, so that's good. And hopefully we can get college sports too, but time will tell on that one, I guess. Uh, until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben Matt Sportscast.